talking about how everything is coming together at this moment, the, the wars, the ongoing wars, is prepared to go in and possibly uh, decimate a whole people uh, because of a few at the top, they claim, which is a great thing. You, you, you save the people by killing all the people. I've never really ever figured that one out, but then I'm not a psychopath. And, and back home, of course, they're, they're pulling the rug from the U.S. citizens. I've said all along, said it for years, as the U.S. finishes off its, its job of standardizing the world, they'll, they'll take down the, the system back home as well financially, and that's happening already. And don't, don't ever, ever believe the nonsense they're giving us that, well, they didn't foresee the fact that all the big oil companies, which are part of the whole system, saw them going over to the euro instead of the dollar. Of course they do. These guys planned all this 50, 100 years ago. They knew exactly what's going on, and it's time to take the U.S. citizenry down as well and also bring them into their, their brave new world. But before I go on to, to a caller, I want to go into this hype about the avian flu. Now, the avian flu, I've no doubt, is a, a hybrid flu made in laboratories like most flus have been. And bingo, you know, there's stuff coming out all the time and being declassified that we're working on viruses as far back as World War I. I no doubt that's where the Spanish flu came from. It didn't originate in Spain at all, but that's where the troops were coming back through Spain after World War I, and they brought all this back home with them. What was amazing at the time it was all the troops that brought the virus back with them that had a particular inoculation. That was the, the little part in the detective story. It's not hard to figure out, but they've dug up uh, this particular flu, altered it again, and that's been on the CBC television here. They dug up uh, bodies from the permafrost in the northern Canada, and they got live viruses. They're very successful. So they've altered it again. I've no doubt this part of this avian flu they're going to release one day. But the, the OCC, which is the U.S. Uh, department, governmental department, they authorize this department to take care of banking, has set out uh, a form to all their employees, for, mainly for the Treasury departments. And this came out uh, Wednesday, the day at the 7th. And it says protection against avian flu. The OCC needs your opinion about your willingness to prepare for and take the antiviral drug Tamil flu in the event of an outbreak of the avian flu caused by the H5N1 virus. The agency is considering a multi-million dollar investment to purchase the drug for all employees and their families and to make arrangements for individuals to get the medical evaluations required for the prescription drug to be issued. It goes on about the antiviral effects, the effects of this particular flu and the drug. This Tamiflu is an antiviral drug that can reduce transmission of the virus or even prevent infection, in addition to lessening the impact of the virus after an individual has been infected, administered orally in capsule or liquid form. This is being prepared for an outbreak of the avian flu requires the agency to act now and requires OCC employees to understand and support the decision. If you want your job, you'll support it, of course. This potential OCC investment only makes sense if the majority of the staff agree to get a necessary medical evaluation and obtain the Tamiflu prescription in coming months and then use it as directed if avian flu strikes. And it goes on and on to tell them how to convince their families and all the rest of it and to get it before the end of November if possible. And this Office of Comptroller of the Currency was created by the Congress to charter national banks to oversee nationwide systems of banking institutions and to ensure the national banks are safe and sound. That's the OCC that sent that out to all their employees now. So there's no doubt something probably will come down the way when it's time and all hell will break loose because you've got to have an economic depression. You've got to have some sort of plague breaking out and you'll be at war at the same time. Three things in a row. What's better than that? Now I think we have, is it Brian on the line? Oh, it's Alan from England. Okay. Alan from England, are you there? Hello, Alan. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing? I spoke to you a few weeks ago. Yes. I did ask you about exopolitics, if you remember. Um, yep. You didn't make any comments about that. Um, I understand all of the, the theories of it and so on, but I'll tell you, nothing's going to work. Nothing is going to work or change anything until we realize that there are psychopathic types within society, all strata. And this mm -hmm. has happened down through thousands of years. We always think we're getting ahead. We, we knock over tyrants once in a while, only to see new ones arise because these characters keep coming up. And they go into all sides of politics, even they speak for the people too. 
We saw this in the, even in the Soviet system. There was supposed to be a, a system for people to voice their concerns and, and, and uh, all agree upon where they wanted to go. And the same category of psychopaths got to the top in no time at all, shoved out all those that had the old system or, or at least the, their initial values in their minds. They pushed it them to the side. It seems to me that they've infiltrated just about everything. Everything. Quarter. You're right. Once again, we have this sort of common denominator mm-hmm. of, as you described them quite accurately, as uh, a gaggle of, you know, psychopaths in control yep. and uh, you know but your your in your own personal um expertise you know and, and i'm sure many people are listening and admire uh, your, your your opinions on history and what you know and what you've learned and you're passing it on but how do you see that given that you know uh, show there are many shows like yours uh, that are increasing awareness yeah and it's a growing awareness. It is, yeah. It is indeed, and it's a fantastic thing to to be living with in the present, you know? To, to yeah, witness. I know. Yeah. But, but what we have to do is do exactly to them, to everyone who wants to have any power whatsoever uh, over the public, to have them tested with the, with, the, with the strictest. But we also need to teach in schools how to recognize the psychopathic traits. That's the only way you'd ever stop them getting up there, because these are cunning people. Well, maybe uh, that's why there's more and more people doing homeschooling, perhaps. Yes, that too, there's no doubt whatsoever. That's an increase, that's a statistic that they don't want to tell us about. Yes. But in America in particular, and also in this country. Mm -hmm. um, In the U.S., there's no no secret that those who are homeschooled are grabbed by the universities because they're so far ahead of their their regular students that go to usual schools. But, that's, but, an interesting, uh, that's an interesting uh, thought right there, isn't there? It, it is. However, Given that again, they're trying to break down the family... Oh, they're, they're trying to break down the family unit, but they also... You see, that's why they instituted the National Educational Association, which is also the International Educational Association. It was to standardize all views and opinions so there'd be no free thought, really. Mm-hmm. It was to create a, a form of matrix thinking where, you'd, you, just like religion did for thousands of years, you would be in the middle of the box and all you would view was the, was the, the walls of that box. That would be your parameters of thought. Well, it's the same thing with, it, with the educational system. They wanted to standardize everything under the one system and then give you a fake reality. Uh, I've never heard it discussed in school why we have to be trained through school and, and, and given all this nonsensical history and uh, a, a phony value system trained to, to run out into the world, compete and, and get to the top and, and then be successful. People thinking for themselves, basically, and discovering yes. themselves. Absolutely. But what I, life I, mean, is I would wonder, to be you, know, I, you know, your show, I so admire. Uh, that's really what keeps you going, and it certainly does keep you humble because you realize that you're, you're making a difference in this world, and hopefully, maybe somehow, you can even prevent... More horrors from happening uh, that'll yeah. go down in the statistics and the history books, yeah. uh, and especially with the people of Iran. Uh, I feel so sorry for these people and families yeah. over there that's going to be uh, decimated if these boys at the top get their way too. Well, let's pray that that doesn't happen and that people can see some sense. It would be an act of complete desperation by the criminals, the ones who started all of this. Yeah. And they're, they're only criminals and psychopaths. Well, they are, they are criminals and psychopaths. They, I've met plenty in the music business because you, you get into their homes after big concerts and stuff and, and you hear them talking. Yeah. And, and they laugh. They laugh and they do stuff that's so debauched. The average person yeah. that thinks they're civilized and respectable would be completely dumbfounded if they saw. And I think Alan is still on the line. Are you there, Alan? Oh, I sure am. What, what the hell happened to uh, Leonard Cohen then? Oh, well, lots, lots of little things in his life. Uh, other people have been using it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, uh, just the one verse kept playing, and I wanted other verses to play, but they couldn't get round to doing that. Really? They just had it on a loop, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, so... They just had it on a WAV file. Yeah, I mean, all of those verses are very, very poignant, because they're, uh, and they're, they're very um, relevant to the topics, because even the last verse is about the coming plague, you know. Everybody knows it's coming, because <laughs> the media's been telling us for years. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, they they do tell us. I mean, you know, they're very blatant about it. It's uh, you know, it's it's endemic, isn't it? You get it everywhere in society as well. Yes, 
It's the, not the ones on the, really. on the lower strata, the ones on the lower strata are called the failed psychopaths. Those are the ones who end up in prison, street level. But the other ones who are a bit, bit brighter and born into the right family, so they have power to start with. Um, because, and you also have a hereditary psychopathy because, especially with an elite who's inbred with male and female, both from wealthy families who got their wealth from slaughtering and so on, uh, then you're guaranteed to have psychopathic offspring. And that's what we have today. We have generations of these characters all over the world. That suggests it's like a genetic thing. It is definitely a genetic. Uh, Plato went into it in the Republic. He talks about um, breeding traits in or out of people just like animals. He said it is... Uh, yeah, but don't you think it's an ego thing? I mean, it's an e also that, that uh, the conditioning that we get through all the television... Yeah. And the consumer, you know, we're not, uh, we're not beings. Yes. We're not, you know, we've been reduced to consumers. We're, remember Britain, the British history. The British history is so important to all of this because it was pretty typical of the whole of Europe. So anyone can be a psychopath. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, anyone can be one. You don't uh, need Almost. But, but you just got to watch the Ninja Turtles or whatever. That they're born without the innate sense of community or, or, or empathy. They're born without that. And that's baffled people for a long, long time. Uh, it, it simply is not there. Now, they're very good at putting a show of it on, but the, the sort of characters that could go to a graveyard and even put a tear out and turn away and laugh at a joke a, a split second later. We actually saw this happening with Bill Clinton when they went to the Brown funeral. Uh, he, oh, he, he stood around at the grave, and then he walked away, and someone told it, and he just burst out in hysterics. And that's a psychopathic trait right there, you see. The problem today is we're, here we are at the end of, I mean, this is the 21st century, and we kick it off with, with more wars. And it's to be the, the war of all wars, to end all wars, to bring the global system in. And then they're going to have a war of terror on the population of the whole world because they need an enemy. And this is, again, the psychopathic thinking. They can't let go of power. And that's what we've got to understand. These characters will not let go of their, their deviant power structure that they've created. And you're oh, right, they give us a culture which we then emulate. Have, without any doubt, Alan, they have demonstrated that they are prepared to do just about That's anything. Right. Absolutely. Anything. Murder, yeah, Hitler, anyway, Adolf Hitler whatever. in the bunker, it's Adolf Hitler in the bunker, yeah. the bunker, he said that if the German people failed to, to take over uh, the Europe and win that war, then by the Darwinian standards of survival of the fittest, they all deserve to perish. That's what he said. In other words, you're he was, look, he was funded by Wall Street and the Bank of England. We know yes, that. Yes, he was. And he, because they were more scared of Stalin, because they took them downstairs in the basement and shot them. Y yes, I know. And then, then of course, no, I Professor think I let, get off the line now and let someone else speak. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you again. I'll talk to you again then. And, and Professor Anthony Sutton wrote two great books on this, and he was um, a top man who went into the congressional records of uh, after wars and so on, and he wrote Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, who funded the Bolshevik Revolution that became the Soviet Union. It's the same bankers, same families in the West, and then, of course, Wall Street and the rise of, uh, of Hitler. Same thing again, as well worth reading into. These characters have been behind all wars. They've never been prosecuted for them. Uh, even though George Bush's, uh, I think, grandfather uh, was initially prosecuted but wasn't put in prison for trading with the enemy act during World War II. They were all financing the Nazi side. And we wonder why we're seeing fascism all over the place. It's the same bunch in control. That's why it's here. But Chris from New Hampshire. Are you still there, Chris? I'm here. Yeah, I hope you can hear me okay. I'm on my cell phone. Yeah, you're clear. Yeah. I drive to work every morning in Massachusetts, and every morning I see the planes up above laying down their trails, and they're crisscrossing in the sky. Yeah. And I watch them from my window at work, and I watch them start to spread and spread, and by early afternoon, those trails from the jets have come into a complete cloud cover in the whole area. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, I'm pretty scared to death. I mean, we yeah. can't drink the water. You can't buy bottled water without getting estrogen. Uh, to coin a term that you use, we're being sprayed by bugs. Yep. You know, I, I caught um, asthma as an adult uh, yep. in my 30s. I've never had it before. And I'm not, yeah, I tell you, food. that's the interesting. I've, been, I've had about five people in one month all. Most of them actually 40 and over who have come down with asthma for the first time. 
And uh, I, my mind always goes right back to Mr. Rumsfeld, uh, yep. the news here when he talked about the, uh, the aerial aerosolized Prozac and Valium to spray over major cities to calm the people in times of major crisis. And I thought, my God, they're actually doing it. Uh, if you were the boys at the top and you're bringing in this brave new world with a completely new set of values, uh, a completely new duties as a citizen to the, the world state, new way of living, you would use every weapon in your arsenal. And I really have to say I believe they're using it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I do feel fatigued all the time. And I myself also remember the chemtrail, um, calm trails or condensation trails. Evaporate quickly, but do, do stay up there all day. They are there literally all day. The other day, I flew back from Florida, and I was coming through LaGuardia Airport, and all the TSA were out there in force, and um, I saw them physically patting down this man happening in an octogenarian in a wheelchair with his gray red wife standing by, patting him down, searching through their stuff, while people of Middle, East, Middle Eastern looking are passing cleanly through, and I says to myself, this Homeland Security thing is nothing but a farce, a lie, and a joke, and yep. I am convinced that they are doing that to train us for a police state. Oh, yes, there's no doubt. Everything that's happening, and I've gone through all the, yeah. the laws that have been passed on the U.S. books since 9-11, now, they tried to get them passed before 9-11. Some were passed before 9-11 even happened when the Clinton administration. That's why they blew up Oklahoma City yeah. building. Uh, and that, they, that passed that weekend after that. They tried it the week before. It wouldn't pass. So, boom, and bingo, it gets passed. But, and I can Britain remember the news announcers. Yeah. I remember a newscaster saying they're bringing out bombs from um, the Morrow building. Yes. And then they said that there was a big uh, hole in the ground, but there really wasn't a hole. Yeah. Yeah, I still got so, the tapes. I still got the tapes that uh, I recorded at the time from the main newscasters, and they did say that that FEMA had a, 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 an office at the, in the basement, and they were bringing out all these bombs. Yeah. Now I think we also have um, another New Hampshire caller here. It's Vernon in New Hampshire. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Right, I'm here, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad, not so bad. How are you doing this evening? I'm just surviving in this cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel we all trying to survive in the matrix to the yeah. same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have um, like three. I think it's like three um, um, comment. Um, it's not like three topics I like to like you to elaborate on. And the, the third one is about um, that coming pandemic, which is about uh, like unleashing the public of North America. So I'd like you to like elaborate a lot more on it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, pandemics are beautiful. I was going to read Thomas Malthus tonight who wrote a book in the 1700s on population control and what he called the positive factors that, that help with population control. And in amongst the positive factors, he had the Black Plague uh, and uh, putting people in swamps to live, uh, where you build houses and in areas like that, crowded conditions, uh, big cities or towns with crowds of people put in them. He says we're all conducive to be positive factors on population reduction. So uh, this has been this is an old thing, uh, and this came from a member of the British elite, Thomas Malthus. His theories are still used today by those at the top. So um, we shouldn't be surprised that these these psychopathic types are still running the show. Um, uh, the Darwin family was exactly the same through Charles Galton, Darwin, uh, who wrote his book in the 1950s in the next million years. He, he backed up Thomas Malthus and all his theories and said why they'd have to kill off so many of the public and so many of the useless eaters and what he called inferior types, inferior types being anyone who, who didn't have noble blood, basically. So that's true. It's all coming together at the same time. Very old plan, and the only problem they had was to herd us along into this big sheep pen slowly, slowly, slowly through crisis and fear. And, and keep us entertained as we're doing it, too. Okay, I think I got one more added to that list. Uh, I want to ask you, what, what, what scenario you see they're planning to use to, um, to implement that national ID card, which they, they really want desperately, desperately to, give, to give the public? It could be done either through the next war, uh, this uh, ongoing war, I should say, the next phase of it, uh, for your own safety, you understand. Uh, or it could even be put out through the pandemic, uh, I know that in Britain they said that the ID card that they brought out already over there has the capacity to do all your banking. 
so all your banking has to be done through that one card eventually and your medical health and everything through it. So it, it all ties in together. And it's the same company that's made, that's made the cards for Canada that gets them next year uh, when the States gets them too. Okay, so you, so we in for like a really, really like hellish time right now now coming up now. No, there's no doubt about it. Okay, I'm going to let you go. It was nice talking to you, Alan. Well, you take care. All right, bye-bye. Uh, I think Bob D in Michigan, are you still there? Hello? Yeah, hello. I'm sorry. Um, this is Dee from Detroit, and I wanted to um, just kind of uh, bring to your attention, if you weren't aware, of um, the company that makes Tamiflu is not the company that owns the patent to it. Oh. I believe it's Roche Laboratories that yes. makes Tamiflu, but the patent is owned by Gilead Pharmaceuticals. Really? And Gilead Pharmaceuticals, former head, went into um, civil service. And was that Rumsfeld? Yes. Yes, I thought it was him. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, <laughs> it just sort of um, makes Well, you do know this like, world is so full of coincidences, though, isn't it? Oh, it's just amazing. I think he and Cheney with um, Halliburton are having a uh, contest. But, you know, I mean, so many people, and, and I was one of them, you know, when bird flu was first coming out because my great-grandmother had died of the... Um, uh, 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 the Spanish, Spanish blue, yeah. Yep. So I was really following it and being very concerned. And the second I dug that up a couple of years ago, I just laughed and I told everybody, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know that Rumsfeld, too, was the CEO of one of the big uh, GMO companies that pushed for GMO foods as well at one point. He certainly got around. And oh, another time he was the head of some of the biowarfare laboratory companies that sold Saddam Hussein all of the weaponry that he eventually supposedly used on the Iranians. So uh, that man has been all over the place. He's just uh, a finger in every pie. And he's still tramping on telling everybody so, so much lies. It's just incredible. Incredible. But, yeah, still is the major stockholder over at Gilead Pharmaceuticals. I guess he wants everybody just to have their prescription of Tamiflu ready. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> And by the way, I got asthma when I was 40 years old, too. Really? Really? Yeah. Well, as I say, lots of people now are getting it for the first time, and uh, that never used to happen at all. Never used to happen. You generally had it, it would break out around the two years of age, and then you'd know you'd have it um, maybe at least, an, and you'd get often, you often, you grew out of it about the age of 18 or 20, you'd often grow out of it. Some didn't, some did. Uh, but you never had people uh, over over uh, uh, even 20 years of age that used to come down with asthma for the first time. And now it's just really crazy. But I also, one other little thing, too, is, and I'm, I'm not talking from a heavy Christian Bible thumper, yeah. but trying to live in this world mm -hmm. and following the rules that were forced down our throats isn't the way we're going to survive. And you used to years ago, because I've listened to your old talks and a lot of the early Jackie Petrou, I have your um, your MP3s, your old um, radio shows, and with, I believe, Hatsabola. Yeah. And you touched on that power that's within us that we've forgotten. I know Manly Hall would had talked about always the, the, the magic number seven because it's always the five and the hidden two. You know, um, the five vowels everybody knows, but sometimes Y and W. Um, the, and then the um, five days of the week and the two weekend. And then, but it's the five senses that are over, and then the two that we're dumbed down from knowing. Yeah. And it just, it, when you, when I first started listening to you, and you were telling the truth, but until I heard some of your archives where you started to touch on that, mm -hmm. I have to say I, I, I kind of like listened to you with, you know, still kind of a fence around me because of being led down so many um, dead ends by so many people. And, and when you've heard that, I think it really touches a place where so many of us that are trying to deal with what's happening in this world um, are are, are know that that's where a lot of where our power lies. I mean, that's not to say to sit around and go home and um, not um, act on anything or talk about anything or be proactive. But nonetheless, you know, it, it, there's there's some tr very 
true words in the Bible and, you know, to, to love one another. And, but it's the living in the two worlds, not serving two masters. Yes. Yeah. I'll address that when I come back from the break. Great. Thanks okay. a lot. I'm Alan Ward with Cutting Through the Matrix. And just to touch on the last caller's question about what spirit is and so on and, and religion. Well, see, religion really has been controlled from the beginning, especially the, the Christianity, because it took over, it was taken over by Rome that was already an empire and amalgamated with a ruling empire with, with vast lands and territories that had stolen and conquered over people. And so they, they blended the two together and we, we don't know what, what the truth is anymore as far as who said what, what was written, what wasn't written. We know things have been added and taken out down through many centuries. And you can't put a New Testament with its forgiveness next to an Old Testament where you're allowed to buy and own slaves. Things like that, and stoning people to death for what we would call minor offenses or eating the wrong kind of shellfish. I mean, that's also nonsensical. And, and uh, the problem is, you, you, it was married, Christianity was married uh, with an old, much older system of collectivism, which also thrives on economics and slavery and, and usury. Uh, Christianity was the antithesis, supposedly, but it was quickly taken over by a system that was already under the system of usury and taxation to pay off the usury, and that was Rome. And it's never been separated since, very un unfortunately. As far as spirit goes, it's that thing within you that drives you. It's something that pushes you onward. They used to call soul separate from spirit. Soul was the, the motivating force within you that drew you towards something much bigger or higher. And it also gave you a connectiveness with other people. Well, as you can look around you today, you have to ask the question, are there simply more psychopaths than ordinary people, or is there simply no spirit in them? Uh, that's your moral dilemma. That's your big question. Which one is it? And is it really important to differentiate the two? Because the symptoms are identical. The symptoms of the psychopath, in fact, and the dominant type, the arrogance, the, the, the deviancy of them, the way they lie, cheat, and steal, and, and snicker at the public, uh, when you look at all the symptoms, are identical to what used to be called demonic possession, for instance. Uh, so you're looking at the same symptoms, one des described in scientific uh, terminology, one described in religious terminology. We're definitely going through one battle here, and only those who have something in them, be it a natural uh, humanity within them, or spirit, call it what you want, only that's going to get us through. Nothing else will do it. And even if we come through this, we can't have the same system back again because it's totally corrupt. You can't transplant uh, a part of a healthy organ if the other part of it is cancerous. You can't take it to cancer in with you. And this system is inhumane from the, from the bottom, from the start right to the present. It can only get worse. We're told we're successful. If we get to the top by any means possible, suddenly the people will worship you. And that's true. The people love to bow down to the ultra-rich no matter what they've done or how they acquired that wealth. And that's a sad trait in, in what we see with human nature. Uh, it's not easy for those people who still have conscience to live in the society and see all this and understand it. It's only meant for those who are, as I say, psychopathic. They can thrive in the system. I always remember the Rothschild saying the statement when he said, you make your money when the blood is running in the streets because he cornered the markets on munitions and food and so on. That's how bad it is. But anyway, keep going, folks, and we're back again on Friday. I always advise the newcomers to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website where you can download lots of previous talks concerning this whole big, strange milieu, this new world order we're, we're stuck in and we're being carried along with. I tell you where it's going. I tell you the big players and how they organize it. And... I try to motivate you into getting active because we're all involved in this and really it's not a pleasant ending if you follow this agenda with this depopulation program and all the rest of it that they've got stuck in there. And it's not as though it's all hidden. It's out in the open now, especially when you look through the big scientific papers that are being put out all the time by institutions and global meetings and the funding they get from the big foundations that are right in your face now with where they want to take the world. We are certainly on a roll, as I say, 
when so much information is in your face. And I think it's because they have the public so terrified, so anxious about their society, that their work, their economy, and all the rest of it, that they must get us in a stampede mode where they can guide us at every turn that we think we're going into, but in reality, they're driving at the front. They're, they're steering us all into this brave new world scenario, right in the open, right in your face. And the youngsters especially are the ones they're targeting because they have to grow up in the brave new world where they will think that anything goes. Anything goes. That's the big lie. Because no, anything does not go unless it's, it's allowed by the agenda, if it's on the books. Anything outside the agenda will not be tolerated whatsoever. Under the guise of freedom, you can be made a slave quite easily when you think you're having fun. That's what they sold the populations during the 60s and 70s and during the big dope and rock and roll era and free love and all the rest of it. Free love was a term coined in the 1880s and 1890s and printed at that time by a propagandist for this agenda, H.G. Wells. Free love, he called it. The only problem in his day is there was generally consequences to the free love and people caught certain things that were not terribly social, although they now call them social diseases, kind of hard to get rid of. It goes along with, a, with an old song that's called Great Balls of Fire. However, that's how long they, ago they planned that uh, great freedom enterprise, the big trick to break the old society, the old ways of doing things, the old culture, and create the new. You can certainly be enslaved when you think you're having fun, because that's when the big boys are rushing ahead and building a prison around you, a prison that generally is invisible to begin with, but then begins to manifest itself in your lifetime until you find you can't move without permission. The days between being followed by a policeman don't bring you comfort anymore. You're terrified when there's a cop on your tail. You don't know if you're going to end up in the hospital getting tasered or what. Things have changed drastically and our servants are masters. I try to keep people in the land of reality, the real reality, because believe you me, there's so much disinformation put out there by those who control the cultures and the media, the entertainment industry, and you'll find a lot of them, in fact, or you even belong to various intelligence organizations and sub-sects thereof. They're put out into society to truly spin off the truth into science fiction. That's their job. Where people cannot tell the difference between reality and fiction anymore. That's even in the Department of Psychological Warfare, that they're at their manual. I downloaded one of their manuals recently. It's for public access. It's made available to the general public. And they tell you in it that they have to blur the distinction between reality and fiction to paralyze an enemy. And that really is what happens. We've been taught to see that we're insignificant as individuals, that nothing we can do will really change society in any great way. That's the first big lie. You really swallow the lies, you see, to be conquered. And then they tell you, and this was a project, I think Bill Cooper mentioned it once, I think it was Project Jason, that was, was born back in the 50s or so, or 60s, 1960s, where they, they said if mankind could be convinced that some superior type alien intelligence had created them to be inferior species, uh, then the war would be over. You can't beat your master, you're too inferior, you see. And we saw the, the plethora of science fiction movies along that theme. And then out came certain writers to do with, well, the Anunnaki, you see, created you to be an inferior type slave. And all of that kind of stuff went right, right along with that agenda. Big money promoted that agenda too. And then many other people, even in the Patriot Movement, came, up, came out and carried that thing forward and blended fact with fiction until you throw out the baby with the bathwater, you throw out the truth with the fiction and become disgusted at it all. That is psychological warfare. That's how it works. People also ask me many times about spirituality and how you find it. 
And generally what they do is to try and find out what people have done before. They don't realize that the message all down through the ages is that you are like the journey of the sun. You are, your life is the sun's journey in a day. You're born, you go through it. You learn, you're powerful at times. And then you go, you, you give your life for the world, as they say, at sunset. Only you can experience your own experiences. Anything else is following someone else's belief. Therefore, you can't simply purely emulate 100% someone else. You're trying to be someone else. You can certainly take wisdom from people, bits and pieces and philosophies and bits and pieces of that too. And don't forget that even within the philosophies, they are meant to bend a person's mind into a certain direction by what was called at the time different noble orders or societies. You must think for yourself. Which brings me to a topic I just grabbed tonight because I was thinking about how we're conned left, right, and center and how we've been trained even to do with recycling. And I thought about it at the time. I can remember when the big push was on to stop paper bags being sold at grocery stores and shops and everything suddenly had to be plastic and how much more environmentally friendly it was going to be. And if you've noticed, you can't even carry a bag out of a grocery store today without the tins or whatever you've got inside it falling through them. They're so thin. And plastic is all a byproduct of the petroleum industry, the oil company industries, the big boys again, the guys who own the foundations that run the world. And here's one person in Japan. You have to go to Japan to get someone with some common sense on this topic who's Professor Kunihiko Takeda. He's a professor at an institute of, of science and technology research at Chubu University. And he's written books on this and different papers on this whole idea of, of sustainability and so on and how we've been stampeded along to this path that we're going extinct because we're consuming too much. He says here, our future is bright as long as we stop recycling old ideas and things. The new paradigm is always better than the one before. Our air quality, water and food quality are higher than in previous generations. Now that's true. We don't, even in the West, you we forget that they had massive sulfuric clouds over parts of England during the Industrial Revolution, right into the late 1800s, early 1900s. Well, all those factories have gone. And they don't burn coal anymore. But they keep hyping that it's never been as bad as it is today. It's all how you perceive things if you, if you actually swallow the indoctrination and propaganda that's never-ending. So he says here that the air, food, and quality are higher than previous generations, and our life expectancy is longer. There's no need to worry. Humans are smart. Because I'm a teacher before I'm a scientist. In the first year of university, I talk about the concept of dedication, which students don't seem to know at all. For them, studying is something they do for themselves, but really it is what we do to contribute to others' lives. Recycling is rubbish. It eats more energy and creates more waste than burning our garbage in high-tech incinerators. The most efficient way of getting rid of garbage is burning it all together. Why? Because in raw garbage, plastics turn into their own fuel, so you don't need to add anything else. Because it's made from basically oil products, you see. Al aluminium and steel should be recycled though as we need less energy for that than to produce them from scratch. Then he goes on to say something which is very important. He's a guy that thinks, you see, it's very rare these days. He says, fear is a very efficient weapon. It produces the desired effect without much waste. Isn't that the truth? Global warming has nothing to do with how much CO2 is produced or what we do here on Earth. For millions of years, solar activity has been controlling temperatures on Earth and even now the sun controls how high the mercury goes. CO2 emissions make absolutely no difference one way or another. Soon it will cool down anyhow, once again regardless of what we do. Every scientist knows this, but it doesn't pay to say so. For the hard of thinking, I'll repeat that last part. Every scientist knows this, but it doesn't pay to say so. That's how they make their living, is on smelling the wind, seeing what direction it goes, and making their, 
they're, they're getting their grants from the big boys who are directing this agenda. He says, what makes a whole lot of economic and political sense is to blame global warming on humans and create laws that keep the status quo and prevent build-up and coming nations from developing. Global warming is a political vehicle, a political vehicle, right? That's what it is. Keeps Europeans in the driver's seat and developing nations walking barefoot. And that's just true. They don't want people in the developing nations becoming developed because they won't have access in the West to plundering their land for minerals and metals and all the rest of it. Just criticizing previous ideals is natural. In the 1930s, militarism was considered best. In the 1960s, mass production and mass consumerism. Then in the 1990s, the main topic was the environment. Every 30 years we switch what we believe in. This paradigm will pass too. And he's right, but he probably doesn't know that it's planned that way, you see. He says, look beyond what governments tell you. Some praise ethanol as a substitute for oil, but making fuel out of corn makes sense only if you want to increase the price of corn and fuel at the same time. In order to grow corn, one needs lots of fuel, and once the corn is ready, instead of becoming a nice meal, it gets picked and turned back into fuel again. This is just a way to purposely create a food and energy shortage. This is just a way to purposely create a food and energy shortage. That's really hard of thinking again. Until only the very rich can afford to eat and move. Well, you see, whether he knows it or not, he's, he's right on target here. Whether he knows it for the right reasons, I don't know. He said getting married is easier than getting divorced. Same if we have a bowl of rice and a bowl of soybeans. It's easy to mix the two, but very hard to separate them. For water and red ink, it is next to impossible. It should take the same energy to mix and separate things, but it does, does not. This is the rule of entropy. Now imagine the whole earth from space, and you can see entropy at work. Pet, it's just pet bottles, newspapers, and cars are scattered around, and recycling is an attempt to put all the groups together again. Consumerism, marketed as environmentalism or environmental consciousness, is the worst. Take the My Hashi campaign, for example, which is buying and carrying reusable chopsticks rather than using disposable ones. Chopsticks should be made out of the unnecessary branches that are cut to help trees grow bigger. And that's true. Just think about it. How they con you and con you and con you. They actually throw away all that stuff that they cut off the, the, the trees when they're trimming them. And that's what you make the chopsticks out of. And they tell them they're scarce. So if burning, instead of burning those branches, we should make chopsticks. That would be good for both the trees and us. So your perceptions are distorted when you don't think for yourself. You can be fooled so easily by propaganda. And it's true we've been taught not to think or reason for ourselves, like Zygmunt Brzezinski says. So this is a good article. People should go into it and read it for themselves. And it's written by Professor Junihiko Takeda. And that's the Japan Times Online from July 22nd, 2008. And I'll be back with more after this break trying to get to the heart of the matter and it's not an easy job because we have so much in our way so much data and disinformation and entertainment and often the two are mixed together so much and I've found that from a lot of these new age prophets that are doing their circuits in the world they're blended with groups of patriotists at least patriot um, programs and they really are fuzzying reality even more so that people stop trying to do something about what's happening in their own lives because they think it's hopeless after all if, you, if some big giant lizard made you to be an inferior type slave well you can't beat that can you you're done for and that's psychological warfare that's how it works it's it's not easy getting to truth and therefore it's best to stick to the mainstream books the ones that are put out by the big boy boys the technocrats they call them those that move behind the scenes who are advisors to presidents and prime ministers across the world and who write books about it. They write books about the agenda, quite blatantly, right in your face. It's just that they're not widely known or they're not publicized much. They're not on the New York's best, best uh, readers list for the week. You have to think for yourself once you've read them because it's hard to digest the fact that there are people in this world 
who plan ahead by the generations, many generations, who have objectives to reach. And they don't care how many people or wars they create in the process, how many people they kill, they don't care. It's irrelevant to them. They're psychopathic in nature. We're going under the biggest tyranny the world has ever seen. And it must be the biggest tyranny because they plan to eliminate that part of us which is human. That part which gives us empathy and hope and love and tears and laughter and all the rest of it. Because it's in the way of being efficient. It's not efficient enough. And it also gives you your individuality. You must eliminate individuality. The United Nations has written about that. They say that their biggest problem is individuality. They claim it causes wars and all this kind of stuff. Utter nonsense. They know darn well that to standardize a world, you must eliminate people who are characters, people with true character, who've developed their own individuality. It's individuals down through the ages who've given us the best works of writing and thought and philosophy and never came from the bulk of the populace who follow. Never. This article here is from Michael Chisodowski from globalresearch.ca on September the 11th, 2008. It says here, today's global war on terrorism is a modern form of inquisition. Read about the inquisition. It has all the essential ingredients of the French and Spanish inquisitions. Going after Islamic terrorists, carrying out a worldwide preemptive war. Preemptive means you attack first, because you suspect you might get attacked. Suspect, but a great justification. Says to protect the homeland are used to justify a military agenda. The global war on terrorism is presented as a clash of civilizations, a war between competing values and religions, when in reality it is an outright war of conquest, guided by strategic and economic objectives. The GWOT is the ideological backbone of the American empire. It defines U.S. military doctrine, including the preemptive use of nuclear weapons against the state sponsors of terrorism. Again, all these little buzzwords, state sponsors. You hear all these things used over and over and you never think what they mean. The preemptive defensive war, defensive war doctrine, and the war on terrorism against Al-Qaeda constitute essential building blocks of America's national security strategy as formulated in early 2002. The objective is to present preemptive military action, meaning war as an act of self-defense against two categories of enemies, rogue states. Now that's from the United Nations. Anyone who pulls out and goes their own way is called a rogue nation or a rogue state. And Islamic terrorists, both of which are said to possess weapons of mass destruction. I'm using all the slogans here. The logic of the outside enemy and the evildoer responsible for civilian deaths prevails over common sense. In the inner consciousness of Americans, the attacks of September the 11th, 2001, justify acts of war and conquest. It says America's Inquisition continues. The legitimacy of the Inquisition is not mentioned or questioned. The global war on terrorism justifies a mammoth defense budget at the expense of health and education. I'll be back with more of this article, but this is very important. I'm going through a document here, a report from globalresearch.ca by Professor Chusadovsky talking about the techniques that are used through propaganda to the people and how we have our opinions given to us, we have our perceptions given to us by experts. That's their job. They're a form of scientist and they understand how we think and how we, in, we process information and they can control whole nations this way by selective propaganda, selective information and the omission of the truth always and definitely a lot of omission of all the other sides of any story. It says here, the lies underlying 9-11 are known and documented. The American people's acceptance of this crusade against evil is not based on any rational understanding or analysis of events. America's inquisition is used to extend America's sphere of influence and justify military intervention as part of an 
international campaign against Islamic terrorists. Its ultimate objective, which is never mentioned in press reports, is territorial conquest and control over strategic resources. And this goes hand in glove with this interdependence, global interdependence that you're all told about. You see, you hear now and then how we're all interdependent. And it is true, the economic system is completely blended, intertwined all over the world. All the rich people have have their, their shares in companies across the whole planet. They don't have nations anymore when it comes to economics at the top. Just a huge web of interrelated shares and resources and so on in corporations. It says here the GWOT dogma is enunciated and formulated by the Washington's neoconservative think tanks. It's carried out by the military intelligence establishment. It is embodied in presidential speeches and press conferences. This is what George Bush said on September the 16th, 2001. We've been warned there are evil people in this world. We've been warned so vividly, and we'll be alert. Your government is alert. The governors and mayors are alert. That evil folks still lurk out there. As I said yesterday, people have declared war in America, and they have made a terrible mistake. My administration has a job to do, and we're going to do it. We will rid the world of the evildoers. September the 16th, 2001. The objective of the global war on terrorism launched in September 2001 is to galvanize public support, because the first thing you must do for war is get public support. Galvanize public support for a worldwide campaign against heresy in the eyes of public opinion. Possessing a just cause for waging war is central, is crucial. A war is said to be just if it is waged on moral, religious, or ethical grounds. So they bring the terminology in, religious terminology and moral terminology, and talk about ethics and so on. The demonization of Muslims and the battle for oil. The U.S.-led war in the broader Middle East Central Asian region consists in gaining control over extensive reserves of oil and natural gas. The Anglo-American oil giants also seek to gain control over oil and gas pipeline routes out of the region. Muslim countries possess 66% of total oil reserves. You can read that too from Michael Chusadovsky, The Demonization of Muslims and the Battle for Oil. That's another article he wrote. And that was from January the 4th, 2007. To get back to the original article, it says, In contrast, the United States of America has barely 2% of total oil reserves. Iraq has five times more oil than the United States. Demonization is applied to an enemy which possesses more than 60% of the world's oil reserves. Axis of evil, rogue states, failed nations, Islamic terrorists, demonization and vilification are the ideological pillars of America's Inquisition. They serve as a causes belli for waging the battle for oil. The battle for oil requires the demonization of those who possess the oil. The enemy is characterized as evil, with a view to justifying military action, including the mass killing of civilians. And it goes into the historical origins of the Inquisition. The objective is to sustain the illusion that America is under attack by Al-Qaeda. Under the American Inquisition, Washington has a self-proclaimed holy mandate to extirpate Islamic fundamentalism and spread democracy throughout the world. Isn't, isn't that the way they're doing it? Going after bin Laden is part of a consensus. Fear and insecurity prevail over common sense. Despite the evidence, the White House, the State Department, the two-party system cannot, in the minds of Americans, be held responsible for a criminal act resulting in the deaths of American civilians. What we are dealing with is an outright and blind acceptance of the structures of power and political authority. You should read that for yourselves. The rest of this article, they're showing the techniques that have been used down through the ages to justify plunder. But it's more than just that. It's to change the entire world. Remember, it's a hundred years war. A hundred years war where nothing, remember that statement we heard after 9-11, nothing is ever going to be the same again. That was broadcast to the world. 
and you should listen to these little statements that come out after these disasters because they mean it, they're legalities you've also got new freedom, a new definition of freedom did you choose that definition? no it was done by your betters those who planned it all in the first place and here's an article from the French the French, the people who are pretty quiet and not like because they're French fries and all the rest of it who tend to do a lot of navel gazing and pretending the world's not there it doesn't exist around them but it's catching up to them regardless because their boys are in on it too it's from the msnbc.com uh, home website it says here French issue called to storm electronic Bastille government to store personal information on people as young as 13 13 it says here, and this is from September the 4th, 2008, Paris, opposition to a new security database gaining momentum in France. Now, I mentioned, because it's the same worldwide, they're doing this everywhere, is gaining momentum in France as people return to work after a summer break during which the government authorized the state to store personal information on people as young as 13. The decree creating the Edvige electronic database appeared in the official gazette on July the 1st. And the country was winding down for the summer, but news of its content has been gradually filtering out and is now stirring fierce criticism. The Edvige database has no place in a democracy, wrote Michel or Michael Pizet, a lawyer and former member of a body charged with protecting French citizens from electronic prying, in Thursday's edition of the paper Le Monde. So there's nothing in the decree that sets limits or a framework where the database is used with or without moderation depends only in odd orders from up high. The electronic Bastille is upon us. He was referring to the notorious Paris fortress in which French kings could arbitrarily imprison opponents until it was stormed on July the 14th, 1789, at the start of the French Revolution. The decree says the aim is to centralize, centralization, remember, the major plank of communism, and analyze data on people aged 13 or above who are active in politics or labor unions at 13 years of age, who play a significant institutional, economic, social, or religious role, or religious role, or who are likely, likely to breach public order. See, they're collecting your personality profile, and from that they'll say you're likely or unlikely to, to breach public order in your lifetime. So they want you to basically grab you before it happens, like a pre-arrest, they call it. The information that can be collected includes addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, physical appearance, behavioral traits, fiscal and financial records, and details about people who have personal ties with the subject. Craig say this means the police can store data on people's ethnic origin, sexual preference, or intimate relationships. And the reason I'm reading this is because as I say, this is happening across the world. There are no countries anymore. The boys, the boys who are in this big world club, the big club that was created before the United Nations was set up officially and who run this world, run all the countries. They're one big club at the top. They're all doing the same things worldwide at the same time. Until we can't move, we're going to be stifled. Because under the UN agenda of free trade and the free flow of goods and labor, as they stated it, they also state that too, by the way, uh, for the American Union, the free flow of goods and labor. But it's not a free flow of goods. You try and sell something across stateside if you're not authorized. As for the ones who are authorized only, the big corporations. And the free flow of labor. It sounds so wonderful to people who, who want to think globally. And you're free. A free labor. Why not just, just move and work? No. This is labor, you see, where you've been sponsored into the country by the corporation that needs you. That's where it's coming down to, because the countries are going to turn into prison camps for everyone. And if you can't get out of the country through some corporation needing your assistance, you won't get out. In fact, into the Sovietized system, which has been set up, Eventually, with your ID card, you won't be able to move out of your own area without permission or a pass or a permit. That's what's coming down. I hope you realize it. And there's always double meanings behind what they tell you. Don't take anything at face value. Check it out. 
look at their preambles on these, on these various charters they draw up at the United Nations and for the summit of the Americas and the Union of the Americas. Look at the preambles because they give you the definitions of the terms they will be using. And it's, they're generally so far away from what you would think if you didn't read the new definitions. So I'll go to the callers now and I've got some Z from New York. Are you there, Z? Yeah, hey, Alan. Hey, yeah. How are you doing? How are you in English? Uh, we're hanging in here, yeah. Good, good. Um, listen, I had a question. I'm sorry it's kind of off topic for what you're talking about, the war on terror and all that, but I hope you can uh, enlighten me a little bit on um, a term. Uh, uh, what, I, what I find whenever I'm debating or discussing something with somebody uh, regarding like 9-11 or any other quote-unquote conspiracy theory, you know, I hate to use that term, but you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, they bring up Occam's razor. Mm -hmm. meaning that the simplest explanation is usually the right one, and they say, well, nobody could ever, you know, um, that, that such a conspiracy would never be possible, blah, blah, blah. And they always bring up Occam's razor as their one of their defenses, you know. Could you uh, maybe talk about that, explain that a little bit to us? Well, you'll find, and I talked in a show earlier before this one, about how the Cecil Rhodes Society when Cecil, old Cecil was in charge of it, uh, got a bunch of mercenaries uh, together in South Africa and they attacked the Boers, the South Africans. And then they even uh, had their own reporters there who wrote back to London to say that the, the, the Boers were killing off Englishmen. And that gave the British a pretense to come in and start taking over, take the land away from South Africa, from the Boers. Uh, they always create a pretense for war. That's standard history. Standard history. If you look at the Romans, and of course a lot of the writers, the later historians will tell you, well, they brought civilization to the world. Well, they never explained what civilization is. What they brought in was a, a giant um, uh, militarized system that basically enslaved peoples and worked them and taxed them to death. That's what Rome did. That was civilization. That's how it was defined in those days. So they always justify the reasons for making war or stealing land or property or resources from other people. That is standard in history. I don't know if there's ever truly been a just war, to be honest with you. Uh, and the only ones we have that, that could possibly be just are when rebellions take place against tyranny the people are trying to plunder their land or plunder their lives or plunder something from them or put them under slavery. That's the only time that there's a just war from those that retaliate. Although if you retaliate, you'll always be called a terrorist. Remember, the founding fathers were called terrorists. Uh, anyone who opposed, even prior to that, the British monarchy was called a traitor and a terrorist. That was standard. There was never a free society, never a free society that existed prior to the American Revolution. All over Europe, across the world, you were a subject to a monarch. That was just a subject means you were owned. You were literally owned by the monarch. And we forget that. So therefore, history is always written by the victors. And we know that people who will poo-poo uh, the September 11th attacks, well, if they love coincidences, how come Papa Bush mentioned the New World Order coming into view in that big speech he made on September the 11th, 1990. And then he repeated right. it a year later on September the 11th, 1991. And then his son takes over eventually, and bingo, 2001 comes along on September the 11th, and they get their merry wish. But prior to that, in the 90s, the project for a new American century, look it up on the website, they're, they're, they have their own site up there, this group of neoconservatives, and in that project for a new American century, they tell you there's always been an empire. And we, the American empire, will, will run this century. Then they go through the list of countries that will be the potential enemies. And you'll find in there there's Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria, and so on. They list all the potential enemies. Yeah, Venezuela is in the next one as well. Yes. And you know something? you'll find that, see, the CIA just took over and, and actually worked with MI6 from Britain. Britain ran the world for centuries. 
they had it marked out when major things would happen in the planet, maybe a hundred years down the road. During the Vietnam War, the CIA were already working on the next wars and the next wars and the next wars. That's how you do it. And they also work on how it must be put on the public, put over to the public through propaganda. Do you remember the first World Trade Center bombing? Yeah, where the FBI actually uh, cooked the bomb and trained the drivers, and uh, their inside man actually taped That's right. their conversations, and it's all leaked out. It was on major TV, and whoops, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Hold on, and we'll go into that. Uh, we'll go into that after this break. I'm talking to Z from New York about about people okay, concerning people hard to get through to people who keep poo pooing the fact that people would actually go to these lengths to create such a disaster so they could use it because and again too that's a human reaction we don't we think that no one else would do such a thing because we personally wouldn't do that that's why psychopaths get away with it in every generation because we won't believe that they'd actually set up and do it. Simple as that. And it's true during that first World Center trade bombing. It was on CBC television here in Canada, documentaries on it, where the guy literally was told to put the bomb in. He said, of course, it'll be a fake bomb, won't it? And this was on tape. And his FBI handler said, oh, no, they supply the real stuff. That's why the guy was taping him. He knew he was getting set up to take the camp. That's how it happens. So, so yeah, it's the same with the main when they blew up the main. They, they unearthed it a couple of years ago and, and said, yeah, the explosion happened from within. Well, what war did that start off, eh? Claiming they were being attacked. This is an old, old con game. 